Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Xcast X Files Podwatch. This is episode 23 of our series of podcasts covering the entire run of the X Files, and today we're having a look at Humbug and the Kalasari. I'm your host today, Carl Sweeney, and I'm joined by Andrew Blaker. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Carl. Great to be here with you. Yeah, great to talk to you again. How's it going? Oh, it's going just fine here, ready to get into these episodes. Good stuff. And, uh, well, one episode that's very highly regarded by uh, most fans. And I suppose it's no secret that that's Humbug, which is the 20th episode of season two. It was first broadcast in March 1995, and it was written by Darren Morgan and directed by Kim Manners. And of course, this is the episode in which Mulder and Scully travel to a small town in Florida, uh, which is inhabited by sideshow performers, to search for a killer. So, I mean, I had the good fortune to have a an in-depth chat about this on the main X-Cast podcast with uh, Tanya Hernandez. We had a good time. So, uh, over to you, really, Andrew. I mean, it's an episode I like a lot, but what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I, I really like this episode. I mean, it's it's a solid episode. It's one of the first, I believe, um, comedic episodes of the series, really. And I think it's a great outing. Um, it would be kind of a sign of how the X-Files would blend um, scary and drama and comedy all together down the road. It's uh, the first Darren Morgan episode, I believe, the first actually written by him. And it's it's quintessential Darren Morgan. I mean, watch. I, I actually rewatched this last night in preparation for this, and I, I noted some recurring themes that are, you know, in Humbug, Clyde Bruckman, um, all the way through to seasonal uh, season ten's Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster. So you know, without even knowing who wrote it, you can tell it's a Darren Morgan episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the first proper Darren Morgan episode. I mean, he'd had a story credit on uh, Blood. Mm-hmm. And of course, he'd appeared on screen in his uh, rubber suit as the Fluke Man. Yes. But uh, yeah, this is his first uh, proper episode. So tell me about these themes you've noticed and tell me which parts of Humbug, like, you know, you think kind of uh, encapsulate those. Yeah, the first, the biggest one that stood out to me is his fascination with anyone who kind of has an outsider status. Uh, I mean, Who's more outsider than a, a traveling band of, you know, circus freaks, so to speak? I mean, it, you know, that's what this entire episode is about. Um, Clyde Bruckman in season uh, three, outsider. Yeah. Uh, Jose Chung, a bit of an outsider, at least outsider themes present. All the way to the were monster, you know, a lizard that turns into a human. He's he's has this fascination with people on the fringes of society and and kind of what it means to be an outsider, how the outsider sees the world, things like that. I should say there's a number of characters, um, actors rather, in this episode that will pop up in several more of his episodes, especially uh, Alex Dakin, I believe that's what yeah. you say his last name. He's, uh, I think he was in almost every single Darren Morgan episode throughout the series. Um, I'm I'm excited to see if maybe we'll, we'll see him in season 11, I don't know. 
But um, here he plays the um, the curator, I believe, the museum curator, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and um, you know, a great turn. You never actually see him face on or anything, but um, you know, it, it just he sets the stage for really what his contribution to the series will be. Yeah, you mentioned Alex Deacon, and more generally, I think it's a very well cast episode. You know, and you've got a mix of like you know people who have uh, actual experience. Uh, performing in sideshows and things and also just kind of quirky offbeat character actors uh people like michael j anderson who plays the guy at the reception it's a particularly well cast episode i think do you agree yeah i do and i one thing i noticed too um from the even from the very beginning which i gotta say that teaser is a great teaser i mean it's just really really spot on um the funeral scene which is one of the first scenes in the episode is just I want to talk about that one because that kind of sets the stage for what you're going to get in the episode. You've got some great characters, people who are on screen for even only a single scene. And yet one thing that I felt watching it was he, um, Darren Morgan rather has a great command of, um, characterization. You feel like, you know, a little something about these characters from the very limited exposure you get to them. He's good at writing characters, I think comedic characters anyway, and this episode is no exception. I thought that that really stood out. You got, you know, excellent characterization and characters that you want to know more about. You don't because they end up, you know, getting killed off or forgotten. But you do, you know, you feel like you could know more about them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Great kind of like short story characters or something where you can very like deftly uh, bring them to life with only, you know, a line or two or a scene here and there. Definitely agree with that. I mean, I'd say I'd say if you're making a list of like the most important episodes of the series, you'd probably have to include this one just because it's like the first co- proper comedy episode and it has such a bearing on the direction of the series going forward, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think especially in terms of, you know, there's not a huge number of X-Files comedic episodes compared to the, you know, standalones or the myth arc episodes. But this is, I think, the first and... um you know, it it has a good blend of something that the X-Files sometimes does well, sometimes does not do well, which is kind of blending the comedic with the absurd or the dramatic. And I felt like this episode really did that because it alternates between, you know, outright comedy and then more drama, uh, more, more, you know, terror and, you know, the theater of the absurd, as you might say. So I felt like it was a good touchstone for episodes that would come afterwards. Yeah, and I think a lot of the credit for the success of this episode must go to Kim Manners. And, you know, they didn't really ease him in gently to the X-Files because his first episode was De Handy Valetzt, you know, very extreme, yeah, uh, very scary stuff. And then this one, like the first comedy episode, and uh, one of the things he used to talk about was how, you know, I think he felt this could end up being a disaster. I think there were other people in the crew who were kind of a bit uh, apprehensive about how this one would turn out mm-hmm. but i definitely think manners did a good job here and yeah he, he deserves a lot of credit oh absolutely i mean like like no one probably will contest he's one of the greatest directors that the show ever had and i do think you know um i i don't know darren morgan you know he wrote some great episodes but he didn't write that many so you don't have a huge amount to base an opinion off of he only i mean he never directed one until season 10 so as far as his directorial style versus his writing style i don't know but i think that kim manners 
you know, I think this episode really benefits from that. It would have been interesting to see if Darren had been given, you know, free reigns, if he had been the director of, you know, this episode or even other episodes like Clyde Bruckman and Jose Chung. You know, what would the reception have been? Would it been have been as favorable or would it, you know, maybe have a little bit of mixed reviews? I don't know. That's interesting because I've heard Darren Morgan interviewed about this one and he sort of said that he was on set, you know, through the, through the filming of it. And he'd been told, I think, by Carter, like just keep an eye on the film and make sure they uh, make sure they do what you want them to, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that he had, not that he had control, but you know, make make sure it, the kind of what happens matches uh, what you intended. And Darren Morgan said that you know everybody w- was just saying the lines a little bit wrong, but not wrong enough that he could like really feel comfortable in intervening, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I think like whereas the crew thought this might be a disaster, but were generally pl- pretty pleased about how it turned out. Uh, certainly if you read a lot of Darren Morgan interviews, he wasn't, uh, overly pleased about the final result, which is a real shame because, uh, I think it's a very strong episode. I think he was kind of pleased with how Jose Chung and Clyde Brookman turned out and he's less fond of this one and, uh, War of the Caprophages. I mean, where, where do you think this one like ranks in the Darren Morgan canon then as a, you know, compared to those other episodes? For me, War of the Coprophages as well as... Jose Chung are are up there for me. Um, Clyde Bruckman is a very good episode. It's a very solid episode. More on a personal level, it's not one of my favorites. You know, don't don't ban me from the podcast, but I, I would go as far as to say it is a little overrated in my opinion, in my very controversial <laughs> opinion. But um, oh, I feel like Humbug probably ranks somewhere in the middle in terms of his efforts. I would say to me at this point in time, it's stronger than the Wear Monster episode. But that's because this had more of a, in my opinion, more of a definitive story to tell. It was more of a monster of the week. The Were Monster certainly had a story, a plot, and a monster, but it was very meta, and it was playing with what the X-Files was. And part of that was because it was in season 10, and, you know, Darren Morgan had not written for the show in, you know, decades. So I think he was kind of reestablishing his style. I'd say Humbug probably falls right in the middle behind a couple of his classics. Yeah, I guess I think so too. I think with me, um, I definitely put Clyde Brookman and Jose Chung in the top two places, and I'd kind of alternate with them depending on which day of the week you ask me. But uh, probably this one next. I mean, the Were Monster. Yeah, I, I probably liked that in the immediate aftermath of season ten. I probably would have put Were Monster higher, but it's kind of fell back a bit for me since then. Have you got any more particular favorite moments? I mean, one of mine. I, I love the moment where you see Duchovny pose. <laughs> uh, kind of hands on hips <laughs> yeah. uh, right right towards the end of the episode i think that's kind of a great uh visual punchline uh anything else that stands out to you as a particularly good moment um i would i really enjoyed the funeral scene uh, i felt like that was the great balance between as i said earlier the comic the comedic part and the absurdity part i mean you're that's your introduction to all the circus freaks and um you you suddenly see the ground start to shake beneath the coffin and 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 nobody seems all that particularly surprised except Mulder and scully i mean it's they know the guy obviously it's you know someone's funeral is perfectly appropriate to do that sort of stunt and um i just thought that that really set it up really well Mulder had a great line of dialogue there about uh can't wait to see what the wake has or you know what what the wake is like and um i just felt like that kind of summed up the episode really well in terms of what what darren morgan was trying to do with with his style of writing 
Yeah, I guess I think what I said on the main podcast was like the kind of actual murder storyline feels just a little bit kind of rote. You know, it's pretty good. Uh, what what really elevates this are kind of the is the humor and the kind of the observations that Darren Morgan makes in his script. Because like you kind of get in the middle of the episode is kind of it's like ten to fifteen minutes of screen time where like Mulder and Scully's investigation doesn't advance very much, but it's just so much so much fun to see what they're up to and who they come across and you know. Yeah, it's an episode where the digressions are a large part of the charm and the pleasure of it, I think. Yeah. All right, Andrew, is there anything else you wanted to flag up about Humbug before we proceed? Overall, definitely one of the strongest for season two. Important for many reasons. First and foremost, you know, the first comedy episode. And I think it really does kind of set the stage for how other writers, including, you know, Darren, would would kind of pattern comedic episodes after this. So the Kalasari is episode 21 of season two. It was written by Sarah Bichano and directed by Michael Vijar. And this is the episode in which Mulder and Scully investigate the death of a young boy whose family is then plagued by a series of tragic events. Yeah, again, this is one I was able to talk about on the main podcast and I had a good time sort of tearing this one apart with uh, Clara Cook. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think, Andrew? Do you like this episode? No, um, I... It's. I'd say it's probably just average. I don't hate it, but I lost interest probably three-fourths of the way through. Um, the plot takes so many different turns, twists and turns, and it just kind of... I, I found myself losing interest. There's some elements to it I like, um, some characters in it that I like, but on the whole, it's it's not that impressive of an episode. Yeah, I feel much the same way. I think it's... Uh, I mean, there's so much good stuff in season two, but this is probably one of the weaker outings. I mean, it has some memorable aspects. The tease is pretty memorable with the, the death of the child. Um, this actually was the only episode of the X-Files to receive an 18 rating in the UK, um, which is kind of the maximum classification you can receive. Um, 15 is the, the next one down, which a lot of episodes got. Uh, because of that opening sequence. So my question, I guess, is like, do you think this episode is like too graphic? And does it deal with the subject matter of, you know, loss of a child, grief, etc.? Does it deal with those things particularly well, do you think? I, I wouldn't say particularly well. I, I did find the teaser kind of disturbing. Um, mm, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I can I can understand. I, I didn't know that what you just said, that fact about the UK rating, but... um. It's not surprising because, I mean, that's that sort of stuff is, you know, not something that normally anyone's comfortable with seeing on TV. I felt like the whole twist with the boy who is seemingly behind what's been going on, the older brother, he was a twin and his twin, whatever the twin's name was, was a stillborn. Mm. And that doesn't emerge until the very end of the episode, which is supposedly the emotional, you know, crux for you know the the evil the 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 strange happenings that have been going on what presumably killed the brother what killed the father so that felt like that was kind of just a last minute thing they threw in there so no i wouldn't say it handled it really well i felt like it was pretty uneven yeah i I agree with you i think something like the internal logic of like the plotting doesn't really stand up in the cold light of day so with that being said, it's a case of do you get swept up like in it moment to moment? You know, do you find it scary and all that kind of thing? And people's mileage will kind of vary on that, I suppose. 
I mean, I find some of the stuff like with the chickens and, and things kind of unintentionally kind of funny and amusing. But <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you felt the same way or not. Yeah, well, that chicken did not look real. That looked like a rubber <laughs> chicken if I ever saw one. But um, yeah, no, like you said, it, it just it feels like it it demands a lot from you because there's all these twists and turns, and it does have a very creepy feel to it, and yet it also has some aspects that are kind of so strange that you, like you said, almost laughable, and you just kind of fall out of it. I think. I tell you, also, this is one of the episodes where like. Scully experiences and sees a hell of a lot, really, in the climax of this episode. Um, and it's episodes like this that, you know, when people moan a bit about uh, Scully staying a skeptic, it, it's things like this that actually make you think there there is some, val- some uh, validity to that point. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you wonder how she rationalizes away what she sees at the end of this episode. What about, I mean, I'll tell you what's significant about this episode. Uh, first appearance of Chuck Burke's played by Bill Dow. So he only goes on to be in around half a dozen episodes, I believe. But like, what do you think about Chuck? He's a, he's a nice little recurring character, I think. Oh, I love Chuck. He should have gotten a spinoff. <laughs> he should have been in the Love yeah. Gun is what he should have been. But um, no, I like that. You're right. I was going to point that out. Actually, I wrote it down. It's the, his first episode. He is in, I think, a total of six episodes. Woefully underused, in my opinion. But um, uh, you also have in this episode um, uh, the character of Karen Kosif. Kossif, mm. Oh yes, that's right. Who I I don't remember. She was first in um, Irresistible in season two. I don't remember her in that episode. I'd have to rewatch it. But she is a social worker in this episode. She's a social worker. Um, she has a great turn in um, season four's Elegy, kind of counseling Scully, and she's great in that episode. She was in uh, Founder's Mutation this last season as well. So, you know, very small you know, recurring character for a, a very short period of time. But I felt like he had some good, good acting from the both of them in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, you should check out Irresistible. She has a nice scene in like the middle of that episode where Scully returns to Washington, like in the middle of the case. Yeah, that's good stuff. And um, in Founders Mutation, she's like a different character, isn't she? Sister Mary. Yeah, she she's a Catholic nun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was good to see, you know, that actress back again uh, in season 10. Yeah, as regards Chuck, I think you're definitely right about the lone gunman thing. Actually, I'd have probably been happy to see the lone gunman a little less and see Chuck a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. You know, he's got potential, and and I think... I am glad that he at least is in six episodes. You know, the X-Files does kind of tend to, you know, create a couple good characters, but they're only in one, maybe two episodes, and... You know, you don't have too many recurring aside from, you know, the big ones, of course, that you everyone knows about. So it's nice to see those little characters that you really have to think about to remember who they are. And I was going to ask, ask you for any favorite moments, and I'll give you my favorite thing about this episode, but it's not really on screen. It's just that I came across a couple of quotes from Frank Spotnitz where he was saying that actually kind of a lot of work went into this episode uh, to make it scarier. And uh, I just like the, the idea that this was never going to be a classic episode. <laughs> but but th- they would kind of work their socks off to make every single episode that went out as good as it could possibly be, you know, by the yeah. time they were done. And, uh, you know, it probably meant that this went from being kind of a terrible episode to being this kind of almost serviceable outing that it is. So I, I kind of have always liked that quote because I think it kind of sums up like the ethos people uh, worked to when they were working on the X-Files. But uh, do you have any favorite moments like on screen from this episode? Anything else we haven't touched on? 
we already touched on it. My my favorite moment probably would be when Mulder and Scully consult with Chuck Burks. Um, like I said, the episode as a whole just doesn't really do it for me. There aren't too many standout moments that I think of when I, you know, when I think of it. Yeah, Scully has a good line, I think, to Mulder saying, did you ever hear about wind in kindergarten? That's kind of like a... <laughs> yeah, good. Kind of like a comeback to him. Yeah, that's a good moment. Um, there isn't a huge amount of humor in the episode, or at least there's not a huge amount of intentional humor. Uh, yeah. But, but there are some rubber chickens, like we said. That's right. That's right. Okay, so tomorrow on the podcast, it's F Emasculata and Soft Light. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can find us on Twitter at the X underscore cast, and you can find us on Facebook as well. If you type in Xcast, you should find our page and our group, which is called X Files Basement, the Xcast Podcast Fan Group. Until next time, listeners. Trust no one. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.